this experience on The Voice definitely encouraged me to say everything about myself that I had been like tailoring because mm-hmm. I thought I was having to audition for a certain role or be a certain thing for people to like me or listen to my music. Yeah. And so once I got on The Voice and realized like, okay, I need to just make the record that I want to make. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Derek, founder and CEO of Bunches and your host here at Start Something. Let's go. I am here with poetic pop musician and cheese dip aficionado. L.A. Ivory. Good to see you this morning. Hello, good to see you. So we have this tradition here, and you were asking about our conference rooms earlier. I ask five silly questions to get to know you very quickly. Okay. All right. I'm ready. I'll preface it with, do not answer your favorite. They might be your favorite, actually, but I'm not asking your favorite. Okay. I'm asking who you are as a person. Okay. Okay? All right. So if you were a city, any city in the world, if you were a city, what city would you be? I would be... Montreal. Ooh. Because can I explain? Yeah. Okay. Please. Because she's new, right? Yeah. She's a newer city, but she has a lot of deep roots in her heritage and yeah. she loves celebrating things that are from the past. Yeah. And she's colorful as well. She's got a little bit of little spunk to her and she's weird and I like her. That's amazing. <laughs> Do you are you like a Francophile? Do you like French culture? I yes, I wouldn't say I'm like extremely well versed in sure. French culture, but yeah. I did grow up with ratatouille. So I mean I oh, nailed it. Ratatouille baguette. That, that like... was the introduction. I was like, I love cheese and I love cooking and now I love wine. So that's okay. great. In on all of those. That's perfect. Second one, now we've got a little warm up under the belt. If you were a fruit, what fruit would you be? Why that was trickier. I would be a grape. Red or green? I would be green. I would be a okay. green grape because I am what I am, but I also like to be flexible yeah. and I like to do other things. Yeah. So you can't change the fact that I'm a grape. I'll yeah. always be a green grape, but I might be a green raisin or sure. I might be wine. Chicken salad sandwich or right. wine. <laughs> <laughs> a fruit salad. I like to be, yeah, I like to be a chameleon a little bit while remaining a grape. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so if you were a beverage, alcoholic, caffeinated, anything in between, otherwise, what beverage would you be? I was a beverage... I would be a dirty chai okay, because I need a little bit of oomph to help yeah. me. I need some motivation sometimes, but I I love the spiciness and richness of the chai. Yeah. So that's what I... Yeah, rich is a great word for chai. They're yeah. very robust. Right. Yeah. I want to be complex and I want to be pretentious about it sometimes. Right. But have some caffeine. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. But that's get awesome. to the point as well. This is where I remind people not your favorite. I have to remind people yeah. for this next question. If you were a genre of music. What is genre anymore? I'm like, I <laughs> That's a know. good question, actually. I don't even know what to yeah. find genre anymore. I would be, can I say musical theater? Yeah. Can that be a genre? I would be. Like, like show tunes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because love it. Not my favorite. Like, I'm not going to listen to that all day long. But I like to run the gamut of emotions. And I yeah. feel like you can definitely do that. Yeah, for sure. And you've got like Les Mis and Cats in the same yes. genre. And I love that. That you can be as campy as all get out, but then turn around and like, cut people to their core. And it's music with a point. Like right. it's telling a story. There's a narrative right. behind it. Exactly. That's amazing. And then last but certainly not least, if you were an animal, what would you be? Not my favorite though. Not your favorite. So I can't no. say cat. Nope. Unless oh. that's what you think you are. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities there. Oh, goodness. Yeah, probably a meerkat. Okay. A meerkat because I 
or I want to be a meerkat. Okay. I want to be a meerkat because I like how they're always like, they're very inquisitive. Yeah. They keep their head up a lot very and they curious. want, they want to know what's happening next. They want to be on the lookout. They're maybe a little bit paranoid. So I relate, I relate to that. So would you say that you're a Montreal green grape, dirty chai theater, meerkat kind of person? <laughs> So Nailed it. That's why we do these things. Instagram bio, that's um, And so our conference rooms are actually the answers to those questions for the company. Oh, I love yeah, it. Yeah. So hip hop is like our genre of music, okay. a little swag. Yeah. Sweet. Um, that's awesome. Very cool. So before you, now we're moving into the socials deep dive I warned you about. Before you identified so closely with Timon from The Lion King as a meerkat, have you always identified with Velma? <laughs> Honestly, identifying with Velma has, it, it was a healing process for me because growing up, I was obsessed with Scooby-Doo and I was like, oh, I'm obviously Daphne. Daphne's a cool sure. girl. I want to be Daphne. She wears the cool colors. That's me. But then once I got to college, I realized I needed to see myself who I, for who I really was. Sure. And that was Velma, just like absolute nerd. And that was okay. Yeah. So yeah, I am Velma. And we practiced that pose like really for a long time. So I'm glad that you brought this one up because I'm proud of that. Picture. Yeah, you should be. It's a fantastic <laughs> picture and I'm sure it was a fun time. Did you ever actually watch all of the Twilight movies in Marathon? You tweeted in 2018 that you were going to watch them. You were going to binge watch the Twilight movies. Did that happen? No, it still hasn't happened. It's still I'm in the bucket sorry. list. I'm so sorry to inform you. I made it through the first three of them, and then I gave up. I couldn't do it. That's amazing. I couldn't do it. So uh, speaking you know. of bucket list, I do want to bring up, I'm sure this was up there, specifically playing the Bluebird Cafe. Yes. Oh, that was, sorry. I was like, what <laughs> What have I done here? I do so <laughs> many embarrassing things. I was like scared to read the whole caption. Playing the Bluebird has been like, one of the coolest things about being here in Nashville because yeah. it is that's why I was scared because I've been playing there since I was 15 so I've done yeah. a lot of cringy things in the yeah. last 10 years um people at the Bluebird have heard a lot of songs that I don't know why I ever left my room with them <laughs> and my mom live streamed them all so they're also on the internet which is great but playing the Bluebird is just so special it's the only place I get nervous at Bluebird? I, yeah I get wow. nervous because it's it is so intimate you can't not see the faces right in front of you and also there's so much history there. It's like Nashville yeah. royalty and it just feels, it feels sacred. And so I don't want to ever take it lightly like yeah. I did when I was 15, wearing my fedora and choker, playing my <laughs> song called Love and Poison, thinking that was good. Yeah. So it's a really special place. Yeah, I'm not going to bring that one up for you. Uh, we can avoid those cringeworthy <laughs> moments. But here you are as an actual cave woman. As an actual cave woman. I had just dropped my bat in this one, so I didn't have my bat for the photo, but... This was my cave experience. This is the the most comfortable I've ever been around this much dirt. I'm not necessarily an yeah. outdoorsy person, but yeah. I was like, okay, if there's music involved, I will go underground for this. And this is my boss, AJ. I love her so much. And that was working at the cave is like my icebreaker. Yeah. So what, what was the context here? What were you doing? So I, I was working artist relations for a company that has shows in a cave. <laughs> for, oh, that's cool. For, they, it was Cumberland Caverns, Bluegrass Underground, but now they are the caverns. In so Fulham. almost like a So Far Sounds, but in a cave. Yes, but in a cave. And they have this like gigantic chandelier and like their new cave has this like beautiful like entryway with these like carved doors that feel like you're like entering some like majestic place in Middle Earth. And it's like very foreign feeling, but yeah. you're just like in middle Tennessee. hundred <laughs> percent. So whenever I tell people I work in a cave, they were like very confused. I'm like, no, it's music. It's music. I promise it's music. It's yeah. banjos and stuff. 
That's amazing. And it was all bluegrass? Initially, it was all bluegrass, but then they started branching out. So, like, Switchfoot has sure. played, like, it's become a more inclusive cave community. <laughs> Everyone's That's, invited underground. Yeah. Not just bluegrass. That's how I prefer my cave communities. Right. Yeah. Extraordinarily <laughs> inclusive. Did Ellie of Christmas Pass ever know <laughs> that she was going to be working in a cave and playing Bluebird? If that Ellie knew her future, she would freak out. No, Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not claustrophobic necessarily, but... Working in a cave was not was not my future there. That I, smile is much. This Ellie probably did. Yeah, this Ellie took herself really seriously, <laughs> as you can tell. So was this the beginning of your music journey? Yeah, pretty much. I, I was probably like five. Okay. I was very tall for my age, so even when I look back at pictures, I don't know how old. I sure. was probably five here. I started piano when I was four and hated it. Okay. So much. I was like, Mom, why are you doing this to me? Why right. are you torturing me? My piano teacher was so mean and keeps yelling at me because I'm biting my fingernails. And but then I would get so intense about these recitals. I was like, this is like my moment to shine. Like I need to take this so seriously. And I was probably playing like a song called Ice Cream or something. You yeah. know, I probably yeah. <laughs> don't even know when I was playing. Top six. Yes. But I remember <laughs> I played my first original piece at one of these recitals when I was taking classical piano because I was like, Miss Fanny, I've written my first song. It's called like Elephant and Monkey or something like that. Yeah. And I literally just walked up each note and just like chromatically just climbed the entire piano and yeah. then went back down, I think. And I thought it was like so revolutionary. I was like, wow, I'm being such an innovator right now with the piano. And I performed that piece and people like clapped for me. And I was like, wow, I am a creator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've made is, it. This is what it feels like. Do I have an Instagram account yet? What is Instagram? <laughs> Can I be verified so, right now? So you, your mom was a huge music influence on your life, from what it sounds like. Yes. Uh, were your parents musical as well? So my my dad is musical. My dad like was super involved in the theater and worked for Disney for a little bit. He was like one of the original kids of the kingdom at the parks when they oh, started cool. like the dancing yeah. troupe and went to New York and performed with the Rockettes with the kids of the kingdom. So like he has that background and then it migrated into working in churches and doing so I grew up pastor's kid, like a sure. music kid. And so he has a very musical background and would like sing with me. We would do duets. And he always tells this story about the first time I like stole the microphone from him and yeah. it was like, sorry, no more duets. Like just <laughs> me now. We were performing something at church and I just took it from him. And I was like, sorry, sorry, dad. You can't wild. So definitely like a lot of inspiration from him and a lot of encouragement from him, like to stay the course and stay the path and invest in it because it will give you a beautiful life and it's not going to be what you expect it to be necessarily but he's definitely inspired me a lot to keep going and chasing it and know that it's a dream worth having and yeah. my mom is a writer which i did not know okay. for a very long time <laughs> found out because last week. I've, yeah literally, <laughs> i found out like a couple years ago she's a writer and she went to medical school and became an anesthesiologist and like pursued that path and like went down this totally different life path. And so I just grew up thinking, oh, mom took piano with me and encouraged me in piano. But she never she didn't pursue the arts in that way because yeah. she's like medical lady and would freak me out with telling me way too much about what she'd seen the sure. operating room and stuff. But then later I found out like she she is a writer, which is like why she did so many creative projects. And so she's always been a very yeah. creative person. But I just thought that was so cool because I feel very like supported by both of my parents, like my dad in the music side and my mom in the writing side, because I yeah. love both of those elements so much, which is why I want to be a songwriter for the yeah. rest of my life. But yeah, it was really cool to discover that about 
her later on. That is cool. Did you have the conversation with her, whether she regrets it or wishes that she had pursued it a little bit more professionally or was like, no, like I actually love the choice that I've made. And I think hindsight is always different. Like she, she's very thankful for like the path that she did take in life because it prepared her for lots of other things that that we couldn't expect. And so she's thankful for that. But I do get the impression from her like that it's not, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I'm a pretty private person. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> We've got time. Yeah. You can figure it out. Yeah. But you do get the feeling from her that, like, she grew up in a really small town. Pursuing an artistic sure. dream wasn't, like, an option, really. Yeah. So it's, okay, you can do that, but, like, you should get a real job as right. well. And she was the first one in her family unit to go to college, which yeah. was a big deal. And so she took it very seriously and it's an incredibly smart person. And so I feel like there was this kind of impression that if she pursued writing wholeheartedly, she wouldn't be living up to her potential, which makes me really sad for her. And like, makes me sad. That's just like the general consensus sometimes is that you can't pursue art wholeheartedly and make something of yourself with, with an artist's life. So I think she's grateful for the path she took, but her sharing that with me, was definitely a sobering conversation of, okay, right. I understand why she like has always taken my dreams so seriously because she knows I take them seriously. Like mm. she doesn't want to see me settle. Yeah. She wants to see me like try. Sure. <laughs> and even if it's not, if it doesn't come into fruition the way that I would hope and dream to the max, like she wants to see me go for it and always support me in that. Yeah. Instead of going to plan B. Seems to be working out pretty well so yeah. far. So <laughs> how did your parents react when this was happening (laughs) that was like one of the craziest years i felt very out of body for the whole the voice experience and i'm sure they did too like it was just the weirdest it was the weirdest thing and it was very secretive at first like my parents obviously knew what was happening but i would be like sorry guys like i'm gonna be gone for a month and a half just my friend i can't tell you where i'm going and so like people had like suspicions and stuff but it was a very like secretive and protective time but my parents were just like over the moon. And then, so they were already so excited just with the like prep process. And then when that premiered, I thought my mom was going to pass out. I mean, yeah. it was because it was just like, we've been watching these shows. I grew up in the age of American, American Idol, Idol just yeah. being like the biggest deal. And like, we would sit there at, right after it would end and write down all the numbers we need to call and dial in on our landline for Bucky Covington. All these people. <laughs> and it was so funny to like then be in that position and like, okay, this is very surreal. And it was really sweet. Like, I, I feel like this was a really cool moment for my family. And like, knowing like my grandparents would have been like so thrilled that this happened too, just because this is being on a TV show like this is like the definition of success to a certain generation, Of course, you know, yeah. which was really funny to go into it knowing this is going to freak my family out. They're going to be so excited. But then knowing like, I, I still have a lot of plans and I still yeah. have a lot to do outside of, outside of it. So it was a really cool moment that I feel like I'm still recovering from. And what year was this? So this was 2018. Okay. Yeah, I learned a lot about myself during this process. And I learned to really stand up for myself in terms of what I wanted to present as an artist because you don't have a ton of control when it comes to a major show. I did put my foot down about a few things and myself for doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Did it really encourage you to actually record a full album? Yeah, definitely. Because I released an EP before this but I was mainly just like playing a lot of shows in Nashville and trying to like figure out who I was 
as an artist, that's like what I feel like people say so much, take time, figure it out. And I wanted to make sure like I was presenting what I wanted to, to the mm-hmm. world, and especially with a first album. But I think that kind of pressure that I was putting on it made me, made me wait and wait. But once I got on the voice and realized like, oh, wait, I do know who I am. <laughs> I know what I stand for. And like, I'm allowed to grow. I'm like, that's the point is to evolve. And so this experience on The Voice definitely encouraged me to jump in and go for it and put out an album and be proud of it and say who I am in this moment. It just encouraged me to say everything about myself that I had been like tailoring Mm because I thought I was having to like audition for a certain role or be a certain thing for people to like me or listen to my music. And so once I got on The Voice and realized like I can't people please myself to death okay i need to just make the record that i want to make and see what happens do you feel like you've established who we are is always evolving always changing as we have new experiences new relationships etc but do you feel like you have a pretty good understanding of your style who you are as a musician as a creative yeah definitely and i think that came from creating that came from making the thing and getting my hands dirty because like for so long I was putting myself in a box before I knew what the thing was that I was making. I was like, oh, I'm indie pop. I'm piano girl. That means like I can only make things within this perimeter. And but then I was cutting off parts of myself. I have a huge musical theater background and I wasn't allowing myself to tap into that. Mm. And I wasn't allowing myself to lean into the weird visuals that I'm so drawn to in, in artistic mediums because I was like, no, I need to be this really square commercial thing. When people are like, oh, you play piano, you're Sarah Bareilles. And I'm like, oh, I must tame it down. I must be singer-songwriter girl that just plays the piano and sings yeah. pretty songs and not explore myself. Yes. Yeah. Right, I'm like rambling. No, it's good. <laughs> it's great. And I think you're helping me transition to this next photo of oh. your style and the theater influences. Now that you say that, you can see that through your visual expression. Yeah. Uh, and so this is a photo of what I'm calling diner chic. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Yes. So this was this is a promo specifically for my song Jen. Yeah. And like I said, huge theater nerd, big theater background, like almost was on Broadway as an eight year old. Yeah. It crushed my heart that it didn't happen. Now I'm thankful it didn't. But anyway, uh, I just love staging and I love blocking. And I think there's so much power in a plant being yeah. on your table <laughs> like 100%. i just i just love detail not to mention pie not to mention pie <laughs> right like pie with the whipped cream you have yeah. to have the whipped favorite cream. dessert favorite number hands right. down <laughs> and so i just love like the power of the story with props like yeah. i think it's so cool and i think it's missed out on a lot of times. where was it this was so this is actually in my friend's studio in chattanooga oh cool yeah so she built this set which she's awesome. Sarah Ann Wagner, Sun Love the Moon on Instagram. She's just a killer. And my friend Emily Rio shot this picture. I love working with her. But I was just like, hey, can you build a diner in your studio? I want to go <laughs> for a question. Like, <laughs> I, like, we need the Twin Peaks moment. We need yeah. the Twin Peaks moment. And she just absolutely killed it. And then there was pie, which everyone enjoyed. So you're, it seems like shifting gears quite a bit. You're from Georgia originally, outside of Atlanta? Yeah. I'm okay. from, yeah, Beaufort, suburb. Is that a suburb or an exurb? Like a suburb of a suburb? It's a suburb, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you grew up there, like, whole childhood? Not exactly. I, I grew up there. I was born in Atlanta. Okay. I lived in Buford. Like, that was my address. But my family is from Alabama. Okay. And I was homeschooled as a kid. And okay. so we spent a lot of time 
in Alabama as well. So I feel like I've had like suburban Georgia childhood mixed with rural Alabama, middle of nowhere yeah. childhood. So I had both sides, like I was, we were gone a lot to Alabama and then we traveled a lot. So I feel like, yes, I grew up in Georgia, but I never identified really as a Georgian. Do you um, identify as an Alabaman? No. Identify as a hybrid, a southerner? I, yes. And it's, I just identify as I'm from the south. I'm from yeah. the south because like we, I lived in Georgia. We were in Alabama a lot with family. I felt a lot of roots there. And then like we started visiting Nashville when I was in middle school or before that actually with family. So I always felt just like I live in this triangle. Yeah. <laughs> I live in yeah. this triangle of Atlanta, Alabama, and then Nashville. So for sure. Just a southern girl. And I remember when I first heard your music. Because we met first, I think it's Steadfast. Yeah, yeah, it's Steadfast. Um, when I first heard your music, I'm like, oh my God, this is Kate Nash, Regina Spector <laughs> with a Southern twang. Yeah. Uh, and how do you think that childhood, the homeschool experience growing up in the rural South, suburban Georgia, has impacted your style choice, right? The theater kid, love mm -hmm. Broadway, et cetera, very visual component to your music, to your album covers, et cetera. Where did that come from? I mean, I honestly have to thank my parents for sure. a lot of that exposure because I was homeschooled. And so a lot of people were like, oh, you're super sheltered. Yeah. You only listen to 104.7 The Fish, which <laughs> we did listen to a lot of 104.7 The Fish in, in Atlanta. But they just, they never really, this is going to sound weird, but they never really treated me like a kid when it came mm -hmm. to like music exposure or art exposure. Like they were just like, there's a lot of amazing things in this world. A lot of amazing yeah. creatives. Like we want you to know about it. And like, yeah. My parents are a little bit older. They have me a little bit later in life. And so sure. they raised me with a lot of older music, yeah. about a lot of like 60s, 70s classic rock. Sure. And so like I grew up like already wanting to dive into like catalogs that my friends weren't necessarily experimenting with yeah. and just yeah. being curious. And then having a musical theater element like I remember being so bummed when I would go to theater productions like at the local high school and then doing like the junior version of things mm. or like the the cleaned up version yeah. of things. And I was just like, this isn't the whole story. This isn't the whole thing. Because my parents had like, with parental like caution, of course, yeah, of course but yeah. had introduced me to the whole story. And they were never really censoring things in like a, yeah. you can't handle this way. So I really have to like thank them for allowing me to be curious about a lot of stuff and allowing me to explore the weirder art that I was leaning yeah. towards. And then, and then being a homeschooler, I think it helped because people were just like already assuming I was weird. And so I was like, yeah, yeah I am. <laughs> I am like, this. Yeah. I enjoy these artists that maybe you haven't heard of yet as an eighth yeah. grader. But I also really love Rihanna and I want to <laughs> go play Just Dance to Rihanna. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just like thankful that that exposure was a thing and that I didn't have to necessarily rely on what was on the radio to to inform my playlist. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Rihanna, if you're listening, you should just know that you have two big fans <laughs> on the recording right now. So, I've been listening to you so much. Outside of family, one of the other trends that I can pick up in your music and your background is the influence that Faith has played, right? The 107, the Fish, etc. How do you think that has really shaped your music and style and maybe even decision to pursue being a creative? Yeah. I would be lying if I didn't say faith doesn't inform everything I do. Like right. I, that's, that is my lens sure. for the world. And I struggled with that a lot early on because I've always 
like that photo you showed earlier of sure. me with the piano as a five-year-old. Yeah. I've always taken myself very seriously yeah. <laughs> in my artistic endeavors. And so growing up, I was like, okay, I am a Christian. I love Jesus. I want to make things. I feel empowered to make things. I feel called to make things. I enjoy making things. Does that mean the things I make need to be under this Christian label? Is that yeah. is that what's assumed of me? And I think, again, because I was a PK and <laughs> grew yeah. up in, in this um, Christian... Uh, PK being pastor's kid. Yes, pastor's yeah. kid. In this like Southern Christian culture, it was just the assumption that if I was making things, it was going to be church-oriented things. Yeah. And that was really like... A struggle for me and like in middle school, I remember committing to I want to pursue the arts. I'm already doing it sure. in some form or fashion, but that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to, what I do when I grow up. But I, I remember having this internal battle for a long time of, oh, can I make things that are outside of this like Christian umbrella? Is that yeah. going to be okay? Are people going to think I'm like losing my faith or like yeah. leaving whatever? And at some point, like, I'm really thankful for the people in my life, in the church and outside that were just like, you make the things you make. Yep. If you, you are a Christian, you are a Christian. That doesn't mean, I think it was, oh gosh, what's the band? I'm going to, Flyleaf, okay. Flyleaf. The lead singer of Flyleaf, I heard this snippet of an interview where she was like, if a Christian is a plumber, they don't go around saying, I'm a Christian plumber. They just are yeah. a plumber and they're a Christian. Like, it's who they are. Sure. And I was like, that makes so much sense to me. And I hate that, like, it had to be this either or. I just want to make things that explain who I am and how yeah. I see the world and how I relate to other people. And I don't want to be editing myself. <laughs> That's yeah. not helpful. I don't want to be, like, censoring experiences I've for sure. I don't want to be having to fit into this box that I don't believe Christians should have to fit into. I just want to be able to express who I am and like share my faith in a normal way sure. <laughs> because it's a part of who I am. So, which I know a lot of people in the church sometimes don't understand fully and that's yeah. okay. Okay. It's just one of the threads that I'm hearing through your story, which is amazing so far. Thank you is this wrestling with identity, who you are to your mom, who you are with your dad, who you are as a creative, who you are as a Christian. Would you say that, because one, one of the other things is you knew fairly early on what you wanted to be when yeah. you grew up. Would Which you is a say, great thing and a weary thing sometimes. Right. <laughs> That's my question is yeah. you knew what you wanted to be before you knew who you were. Is the biggest challenge to you so far been reconciling those two things? Or is it like deals, the contracts, the distribution, the like, how do I find my fans? The What's the biggest challenge, obstacle to your creative endeavors so far? Honestly, like the question of identity, like I, I've always known what I wanted to do. And I've always, it's grown as I've grown, obviously, but I've always known who I was sure. as well. And like have felt a very firm sense of identity since I was little. But it was more of a, how do I authentically present this and not be afraid of other people's assumptions about me getting in the way? I, or yep. about like, how do I show up as authentically me and express all these things that I'm feeling yep. and people be okay with that? Yep. <laughs> Especially when I grew up in that church bubble, in that homeschool bubble and wanted to explore the world but not in a way of trying to find myself, but just in a way of it's such a beautiful place that we get to be and yeah, live. And like, I sure. want to see it all. Yeah. So it was more of a, how do I not have that people pleasing element tampered down 
who I already know I am the thing. Yeah. As far as identity, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like the authentic betrayal piece. Yeah. Yeah. And and that affects the big things, mm-hmm. right? It also affects the small things like your creative name. I agree. And I think that's a really cool kind of way to look at it. How did you eventually get over that hump? I think I'm still getting over that hump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I'm still getting over that hump every day because I always like seeing what's next and knowing who I am, but like expanding and growing. And so I have to like, when I sit down to write, I'm like, Ellie Ivory put out the song. I'm like, oh, who is Ellie Ivory? Ellie yeah. Ivory doesn't have to be this box that I have now created for myself. Yeah. So I think I'm still learning. <laughs> no, that's cool. And I think that's a large part of the stories that, that we tell here at Start Something, like, there's no the end yet. Yeah. Like right. you're in the middle of a chapter now, whether that's chapter 17 or chapter one, I think it's still an interesting story either way. You mentioned earlier when you were on The Voice that you went through a period of self-discovery that year, maybe as a part of The Voice, maybe just a similar year in your life. What, as a part of that season of self-discovery, what did you learn about yourself that you've taken with you to now? I really learned how to stand up for myself. Yeah. Like knowing what I want and knowing who I am is great. But if I can't voice that, mm. what am I doing? <laughs> if I'm still letting people walk all over me and yeah. I know it's not in line with who I am, then I need to get a backbone. I need yeah. to grow up. Were there particular events that kind of spurred Yeah. That? Yeah. So without going into like too much detail, like a lot of interviewing processes sure. were invasive as far as like prying questions uh, about the family. Like they... It's a TV show. Sure. They want a story. Yeah. They want to make people cry. <laughs> and they want to make the contestant cry and make them emotional. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I just, I have a lot of respect for my family and I have a lot of respect for no, myself. It's and it's yeah. like, I, I believe in being authentic and I believe in being vulnerable. That's what makes great art and that's what makes great artists. But I also believe like oversharing is running rampant in our culture and like you can't be vulnerable without you can't be truly vulnerable without being truly respectful and i just was not going to go on national television and air all this stuff about my family that they were trying to pry about and i literally had this moment where he asked me he asked me this really direct question about my family and i was like are you trying to like make me cry i just called him out and it was the most like abrasive thing i think i've ever said to someone because i'm yeah. i am i'm a southern girl i'm very like sure reserved and i like don't like confrontation i will avoid it with everything my being but i just looked at him i was like are you trying to make me cry i yeah. was like i'm not talking about that move on i was like next question and he was kind of like yes you were i just want to talk to you he was like i'm just your friend and I'm just your producer here. I'm just your friend. I just want to help. I was like, yeah. uh-uh. no, absolutely not. And so I was like, I still think about them. I go, Ellie, I'm really proud of you. Yeah. Someone once famously shared a photo that says it takes courage to grow up and become who you really are, <laughs> which is a quote from E.E. E. Cummings. That person was you. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I like you know, just, just hearing this narrative, I think you really borne that out. And so hats off to you. And the, those risks aren't done. You moved to Nashville. What brought you here? So... Uh, honestly like a clean slate like sure nashville has just been such a breath of fresh air for not only me but my family we moved here i was in high school my grandparents moved in with us they needed they needed a place to be and so it was when i tell the story it's i moved to nashville for music i'm one of those people i'm one of those people my parents believed in me and took crazy risk on in me and they're like yeah let's move in high school 
Yeah. You're literally 14. Let's do this thing. And I'm so thankful for that. But there was also like a huge family element of my grandparents needed a place to be and we wanted to take care of them. And so there was space and it was a fresh start for everyone. So it was just a really, it was a really hard chapter, but a really sweet chapter to yeah. not only be in this new place so I could focus on music, meet people, get in co-write rooms, start playing Bluebird and yeah. places around town and figure out how to express myself as an artist. But then also like how to dive in and be there for my family during a really challenging time. And I wouldn't trade, like I was so close to my grandparents, would not trade sure. that time in for anything. Like it was very hard. Yeah. <laughs> my mom and I like being caretakers, but it was so special and taught me. My grandparents have taught me so much just about perseverance as people yeah. and like what love looks like and being there for somebody when they're not okay. And when they literally need you to pick them up out of the bed, like... I'm so thankful that they like let us be there for them in that way because it taught me a lot yeah. just as a person and as an artist to lean in. Yeah, that's amazing. When you moved here, part of it was clean slate. I'm sure part of it was the pursuit of music. Yeah. You're trying to do it full time now. Yeah. Yeah. What's the biggest obstacle to that? Time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Time is the biggest obstacle. I love that you keep talking about like when we grow up, when we grow up, because yeah. I'm still just, yeah, when I grow up, when it's going to, it's going to happen one day. And I think that's been a shift. Like when I first moved here, I was like, okay, when I make it, this and this are going to happen. When sure. I make it, when this big break happens, this isn't going to happen. And I've realized slowly and painfully <laughs> that there's not, it's not this like overnight light bulb moment. Yeah. It's all of these little moments that add up and that's so much more beautiful than I think what's portrayed in the media a lot of time as like this overnight success that's not... Yeah. Overnight realistic. success usually takes 10 to 15 years. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It just doesn't happen that way. And so it's been really beautiful to like have have these moments of the voice thing happening. And sure. it's learned a lot about myself and it was hard, but it was like, this is a marker. This is a moment. Like I achieved this and I can celebrate it. And then the BMI thing with the John Lennon Award, like feeling, okay, I'm writing all these songs. I'm putting out this music. I'm playing these shows. I'm having these moments of connection with people. And I'm so grateful for that. What am I still doing? What am I supposed to be yeah. doing? And then getting that phone call from Samantha in New York. Yeah. And like, hey, like you won this thing. And being like, Oh, wow. And just using that as fuel to, to keep the next thing going, but realize that like, it's not just this moment. It's all of these moments yeah. that, that gear into the next thing. So it's the obstacle to going pro, right? The yeah. time piece and which I think you a hundred percent of it have answered. So. Yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's time. And then like balance and realizing that sometimes there's balance. <laughs> yeah. So as you wrestle with this journey and try to enjoy the moments along the way. Does this place feel like home? Do you, th you think it's going to be in your life for a while? Yeah, I love Nashville. Like I, I've never felt more at home anywhere else than here. Yeah. And, you know, home has growing pain. It's for sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like just being here the last 10 years, it's a totally different place. Yeah. And parts of that I'm so excited about. And some parts I'm like, oh, there's so many new houses that right. just look the same. Yeah. But I do feel like this is my home. And it's like a place that I, I love creating out of. I love touring out of here. I've met Beyonce, Joan yeah. here. And like, he was born and raised here. And he's always like, been here 10 years. You can tell people you're just from here. You don't have to go. Yeah. You don't have so, to. It's like, you are a Nashvilleian. So I'm like, yes, I am a Nashvilleian. <laughs> and I think I'm always going to be a Nashvilleian. Yeah, that's amazing. So typically we wrap up with thoughts on Nashville. So what's your favorite spot to eat around here? 
fancy, casual, dive bar, could be anything. Oh my goodness, there's so many good places. That's what, one thing I love about Nashville. A recent favorite spot has been Once Upon a Time in France. Okay. In East. Just divine yeah. food. Oh my goodness, I never thought that I would want to eat snails, but when they bring them out to you and they are covered in butter, you yeah. just, you accept them and you eat them and you just, it's absolutely your Montreal is showing. Yeah. <laughs> and my little ratat my little ratatouille yeah. coming up. <laughs> Favorite coffee shop. Just a lot. I will always love Fido. Okay. I just it's so special to me. The first time we came up here and somebody was like, You should go to Fido. What he said it looks so like grimy. We were very like, yeah. what is a coffee shop? That just wasn't a thing ten, fifteen years ago sure. necessarily. Yeah. But I just think it's so special and I love their gray skies latte. It's just yeah. so good. I know all the way. Shout out. So we've covered food. We've covered coffee. Nightlife. You and Jonah are going out for wine or drinks or to have a good time, concert, whatever. Where are you headed? I do love flamingo. Okay. I'm a big flamingo yeah. fan. It feels so light and fun and safe. And yeah. I love authentic okay. wine bar in East yeah. Nashville. Shout out to Alex. That place is amazing. That is cool. And if someone were coming maybe for an extended weekend or something like that, where's a hidden jam that they should? They're going to do the hot chicken. They're going to oh. do Broadway. Okay. What's the hidden jam? There's a lot of pressure on this question because I, I don't want to lead them astray. Just one. I think they need to go to a show at the Blue Room. Perfect. I don't care what show it is. Yep. There's always something weird and wonderful happening there. And it's just a very disorienting experience to go to that venue. So they should go. Yeah. Very <laughs> cool. What would you say, last but not least, what would you say to someone who's hearing your story, hearing this journey, hearing the wrestling with how do I authentically portray who I am and what I want to do in a cohesive way, who has been through the ups and downs of the creative process and is still figuring it out. Maybe they have a passion they want to pursue, right? Maybe they're working their nine to five or they're working their 40, 60 hour. Maybe they're doing shift work, but they're also trying to pursue whatever it is music, crafts, et cetera. What advice would you give them? What would you tell them? Start. Yeah. I feel like that's, yeah. the, it feels so, duh. Yeah. We'll start. Do the thing. It's, I feel like a lot of times I freak myself out because I'm just like waiting to get to a certain point of figured outness in order to begin my next project or plan the next thing or just like dream for the bigger show. Yeah. But you have to start with that, with that initial piece and kind of work backwards you have 30 minutes like to spend time on your craft instead yeah. of watching re-watching the office <laughs> like <laughs> i also do that a lot but that sounds deeply <laughs> personal <laughs> have, like 30 minutes to just go lock yourself in your studio go do it take that and don't don't take that time for granted to start that's amazing so thank you so much for the time where can people find you online plug your latest thing where can we listen and find out more? Yeah, so I'm Ellie Ivory everywhere, which is a little tricky to spell. So it's E-L-E and then Ivory the regular way. That's on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to be on TikTok, yeah. I'll be your friend on TikTok. Spotify, Apple Music, all the things. I have a record out, Drama Club Days, that yeah. really dives into a lot of musical theater past yeah. things and got to try my hand in some orchestration, which was a blast. We um, can't be friends. It's definitely worth a few hundred listens. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, I feel strange sometimes when, like, four-year-olds sing it back to me. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah. no, be friends. Be, be friends with everyone. <laughs> the main takeaway from my songs, please. Yeah, you can listen to my record. I've got a new single out, 10-Year Town, summing up my yeah. time in Nashville. And then I've got a new project on the way. Oh, 
very excited about it. Hot news. Um, yeah, yeah, coming this year. So very really, really cool. pumped for what's next. Yeah, that is awesome. Ellie, thanks again for the time. Thank you. Always a pleasure. This so is really fun. thanks, everybody. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Derek again. If you enjoyed the conversation, do us a favor by both subscribing and sharing Start Something with your friends. Thanks a ton for listening. Talk to you again soon. And until then, we love you bunches. Mm-hmm.